Welcome to KPOV's Critical Conversations podcast, dedicated to featuring unique perspectives, challenging mundane thought, and questioning the norm. Listen at kpov.org, on YouTube, or on your favorite podcast app. As always, I'm excited to introduce our next guest because he has been somebody who's recently on my radar with his mindfulness techniques, and he presented at the vegan breakfast potluck and things that he had to say were so fascinating that we wanted to interview him and learn even more. So we are welcoming Stephen Burke to the show today and he has been an aerospace engineer. He morphed into more of a leadership consultant and uh, studied mindfulness and got a degree from the University of Aberdeen in mindfulness studies, which I think is fascinating that Mm -hmm. there's a degree out there that is focusing on that. And the thing that we're excited about hearing more of is how that relates to food and also how it just relates to everyday life. So we welcome Stephen. And to start with, we always like to know um, how you went vegan, why you went vegan, when you went vegan, and anything else you'd like to say about being vegan. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so vegan, it was a, it was quite a journey for me. I think uh, I was thinking about this this morning that um if you'd have told me how many years ago, well, when I left Wales to go to the US for the first time, that was 1997. If you'd have told me then that um, I would be vegan, not drinking alcohol, um, you know, very little uh, caffeine, I, I would never have believed it. Yeah. So, uh, so it's been quite a journey. So, um, and it's helped. My journey's been helped by Haley, my wife, being um, vegetarian and vegan. Um, so she was a big inspiration. And uh, and for me, it started with doing yoga. I mean, I started getting into yoga practice in, in actually in Seattle also. So in 1998, 1999, uh, started learning about the principles in Eastern philosophy, about Ahimsa and non-harming. Uh, and then, uh, then it was a, quite a few years then before I actually t- decided to try being vegetarian, first of all, myself. So it was 2004, living in Germany. Uh, which is a quite a hard place at that time to transition to vegetarian. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I tried it for a month. I committed. I said to him, "I'm going to give it a go for a month." I went from meat eater pretty much in every meal to vegetarian, um, and I did it for a month. And right at the end of the month, um, I wasn't convinced I was going to carry on. But right at the end of the month, I I reached my end of the month, and that evening I went to a barbecue. Um, and I overdosed in everything in the barbecue and uh, alcohol. And next day, for a few days, I felt absolutely terrible. Yeah, and then, and I thought, wow, I'm just not going to do this anymore. So I um, I became vegetarian. Um, shortly after, I gave up fish, so I was eating fish at first. And then it was only about um, Haley said, I think she said it's like six or seven years ago that we that I turned uh, vegan, and it's been uh, um, and. And interesting for me is that going from meat eater to vegetarian, I didn't really, I couldn't say I felt any health benefit. I felt better in myself and I felt better that I wasn't harming as much animals, but I didn't feel any better. I didn't feel more energy or better. My health didn't change. But going from vegetarian to vegan, I noticed a difference within two weeks. So that was enough for me to say, wow, even if it was only for the health part, which it's not, um, then I'm convinced that vegans are more healthy lifestyle. What are some of the What are some of the um, benefits you had in the two weeks? Yeah, so it was um, 
It's a combination of things. One is like mental clarity. I just felt clearer um, and I felt like I had more energy. Um, I felt like um, just a different kind of energy in my body. Um, I, it's really hard to describe, but really it came very fast. Uh, but I think I was relying, when I was a vegetarian, I relied a lot on dairy. Um, and I think a lot of people do. Uh, and I think cutting out that was a, probably a big part of that. But yeah, mental clarity, more energy. Those are two big things. That's great. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned the term ahimsa when you were speaking. Can you describe that a little bit more for some of our listeners who might not know what that is? Yeah. So um, and I, so in when I started doing yoga, they talk about the Ashtanga yoga at the time. The, the first part of that is the... Uh, the yamas and niyamas and one of those is ahimsa one of the first ones is ahimsa and uh and that is uh non-harming i think is the best translation of that other translation i learned so um non-harming in uh in your actions in your thoughts in your words um so but but for me it really tra- it's translated in all of those but um but certainly in the actions you know the um treating all beings as um as worthy of living yeah and and not harming was uh how it landed for me did that come before you were vegan or was that after that was before that was the that was what what i thought yeah that was what helped me go to vegetarian so um so i was doing yoga since 1999 1999 that kind of time frame and i first went vegetarian in 2004 yeah yeah i can remember it clearly it was in the summer in germany (laughs) so i would really love to hear more about your travels so you were born in wales Mm -hmm. and tell us uh all the places that you've lived and also how that relates to veganism and the vegan food as well as it relates to the mindfulness now i know that you weren't vegan when you were living in some of these places but any kind of tips about great places to go or any kind of challenges that you had along the way, I, I really would love to hear more about that. Yeah, wow. Um, so, um, so I've traveled a lot, but it's been a lot of times to the same, many, a lot of times to the same places. Because you know, I lived uh, in Bonnie, Wales. First, left Wales to go to Seattle. So going from aerospace, you know, so going from Airbus to Boeing in Seattle. Um, wasn't even on my radar then when I first went being vegetarian or vegan. Um, but, uh, but then bounced back for lots of years between Germany and, and the US mainly. Yeah. But then outside of that, traveling a lot for work. So traveling a lot. I mean, in, uh, you know, with Africa a few times, with India several times, um, uh, all over Europe, um, and to the US many, many times traveling. So, um, I've had some surprises along the way. Well, um, I spent a lot of time in the south of France, um, working Toulouse um, in the south of France, which is the headquarters of Airbus. Uh, there, I always really struggled to get um, struggled to get vegetarian. At that time, really struggled to get vegan food uh, and some pitfalls. Yeah, so um, a lot of time, the, you go to a restaurant. A lot of time, the fries, quite often these chunky fries. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was, I'd been that was when you. I found at the time going into a restaurant in south of france for sure you know it's like um if you're vegetarian or it's then it's 
okay, salad or omelette were the options. You know, if you were vegan, then it was salad. And it was just a plain green salad. Yeah, so I used to augment that with fries. And it was only after I had them a few times that some, one of my French colleagues pointed out that they quite often uh, fry them in duck fat. Yeah, so <laughs> be careful when you eat fries in the south of France. So, mm. uh, yeah. Um, in Germany, when I first uh, was uh, went vegetarian still, um, it's Germany's great now. I think France also is much better than it was when I first uh, became vegetarian and vegan. But um, in Germany, when I first uh, gave up meat, and I had to be really careful because things would be, it'd be advertised as a vegetable kind of uh, a hot pot, yeah? But it would have chunks of sausage in it, yeah? Um, even the salad or the vegetables on like a buffet-style lunch, would have bacon bits kind of sprinkled on top of the vegetables. So yeah, it was, you had to really be careful about uh, you know what you were asking for and what you were getting. But the biggest surprise, I would say, though, is Madrid. Um, I expected to really struggle in Madrid. Um, but, uh, but I actually had some amazing vegan food, and there's one vegan restaurant called Viga. I don't know if it's still there. Um, but I had the best vegan tiramisu I've ever had, and I mm. never even know you could get a vegan tiramisu. Lovely. Lovely. There's something called a vegan passport, which um, I don't know if they sell it, you know, currently, but uh, I know you can get used copies of that, and that's basically a little notebook that shows you how to ask for different things all, all around the world. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> which, which would come in handy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, of sure. course, there's, of course, there's happycow.net, where if wherever you're traveling, you look up where, you know, where the uh, health food stores are and where the mm. um, restaurants are. So it's, I haven't traveled internationally since I've been vegan. So it, it will be a mind blower when I, when I do get there. Mm. Can it, you it, talk it, about any kind of, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say that it's become a real um, like high point to traveling now to look to find the vegan restaurants and try them because it's, you know, when you do find even like the south of France, which I struggled with vegan food, but when you find a vegan restaurant, uh, it's just, I mean, it's just exciting. Yeah. And see what, okay, what they're going to do with their vegan food. So everywhere I go, I immediately look to see where the nearest uh, vegan restaurant is. Yeah. On my bucket list is to do a vegan to go attend a vegan pastry course in France. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. All of the things that we used to think yeah. that we couldn't get, but now you can get everything veganized. What are some of the highlights of your traveling, being vegan, and then in inserting the mindfulness into it too? Because I think mindfulness is a very important topic that a lot of people don't talk about. And mm. I think that that is a foundational belief system and a foundational way of living that really helps us face a lot of the challenges that we're facing today. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, I would kind of wind it back a bit more, or step back a bit to think about, first of all, maybe just differentiating between, in my view, between meditation and mindfulness, you know? So um, meditation I mean, is the, the practice you sit down for the 20 minutes or half an hour and do your formal practice, whether it's mantra or prayer or following your breath, you know, to, deliberate practice, like doing your yoga on a mat. Yeah. Um, mindfulness is, if you look at the definition of mindfulness is the one I like is um, uh, knowing what is happening while it's happening without preference. 
Yeah. So if you think about that, knowing what is happening while it's happening without preference, then that makes mindfulness a practice that is available to you from the second you, even before you wake, open your eyes in the morning, you know, as soon as you wake, start to waking up in the morning through to you fall asleep in the evening. Yeah? So it means that every step of your day and every step of your journey, if you're traveling, uh, can actually be a, um, um, is an opportunity to be present. Yeah. And, uh, and to be mindful. So, Bearing that in mind, I think when I travel, um, I think the interesting thing about traveling is that you obviously you don't have your home rituals or habits or access to food. So, you know, this, you know, so as I'm traveling, um, you know, just noticing, you know, whatever kind of emotional mood I'm in, or, you know, if I'm really hungry or I'm tired or I'm frustrated or I'm uh, anxious, whatever it is, and, and noticing how, how that can lead to. Um, the the risk that you you'll kind of deviate from a, the, the diet yeah or whether that's eating unhealthy foods or eating non-vegan foods so it's really interesting when you apply mindfulness to that is to start noticing like wow what is it is it when I get tired is it when I get hungry is it when I get cross or stressed that I have I feel that urge rise to um, to reach for the cookie or to you know, whatever it is that we're going to reach for. Um, so, and that noticing, that first noticing is a massive, one of my uh, old teachers, Clive Sheridan, talks about that as being like the first massive step of your development, you know, your self-development, that you're able to be present enough that you can notice, wow, I can feel myself, I feel that urge to grab that cookie or to have that whatever and noticing it and then, being enabled to kind of work with it and not follow that urge uh, and have the cookie, but wow, I can notice it come up. So what else can I do? Yeah. Can I get the apple or, you know, or, wow, I'm just realized I'm really tired. I need to just make sure I get rest yeah? or I'm really stressed. What can I do about that? Go for a walk. Yeah? That's a big thing about mindfulness for me traveling, which is in general life, but uh, certainly when traveling. I want to make sure I got what you said correctly. You said, knowing what is happening while it's happening without preference. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I like that. And the without preference is important. Yeah. So, uh, and it's because we tend to judge the, uh, we tend to judge what is happening. We're, we're, we're judgment machines as humans. It's natural and it's helpful for us, but it can actually be, um, uh, you know, but in the, context of mindfulness there it's the um that we're the judgment is either we're judging things as something i really want i want more of and i'm scared i'm going to lose it you know it's something i don't want so i'm pushing it away rejecting it getting angry or trying to find a way away from it or it's neither those and we become indifferent and we get bored yeah so and and bored out so um so that's going on constantly i mean right now maybe it's like wow it's a bit warm in here i kind of don't like that yeah or um you know whatever comes up and just being able to kind of distance yourself just a little bit from that preference system. Yeah? So you're more a choice um, about what you can do. Yeah, the... So you're well-practiced in this. Can you give people some tips about them? Not- they notice something and then what are the steps to take to move and shift? Mm, yeah, great. So, um, so the noticing is right. I'd say something you can congratulate your boss straight away. Yeah, it's like, wow, I've done really well here. I've noticed. Yeah, so it's a great thing when you notice. So it's not a bad thing that you feel that urge to have whatever it is that you wanted or to avoid 
whatever you wanted. But then it's, wow, congratulations to myself, I really noticed. So, and then it's, okay, um, noting that impulse, yeah, to, to want to reach and just to, um, just to know and put yourself a choice, you know, the, um, the, the, by creating a little gap between feeling the urge and doing it, we're creating a space of choice. Yeah? So we can actually then, um, we may still reach for the cookie yeah, or the whatever it is, but um, uh, but we have that moment, a little microsecond of choice where we can, you know, just maybe every now and then at first, just take the different decision. Yeah. And notice how that works out for you. Maybe um, go for the walk when I'm stressed or uh, have a, I don't know, make sure I get to bed early if I'm tired. And so start doing that and just noting what effect that has and just, Noting, noting, noting. And then as you, as we talked about last week, you know, as you do this, you're kind of building a new muscle. And it's just like doing the reps in the gym with the dumbbells. And you're building that muscle to pay attention, to notice, create that choice, and then do something different. Yeah? And then not get too hard on yourself when uh, or you catch yourself later. You think, wow, I didn't, I didn't notice that urge and I followed through or... I notice the urge and I still follow through. I'm just noting, okay, what is this? What are the situations that really are hard for me to work on? And then finding the easy things to practice on and build that muscle. I don't know if that gives you a good enough answer to implement, but uh, that's kind of how I would work with it. That's really helpful. I think some people don't think that tools can be that easy. You know, they think they have to climb a mountain or do something you yeah. know completely extreme to have that peace and it's like no you could just like take a walk or notice a, a, a leaf on the tree or count yeah, even counting to 10 remember like mm -hmm. when you're a kid you were told to count to 10 that you know you you're you're telling your mind that you don't have to go where you were going yes, which is I think exactly. a wonderful wonderful practice exactly um, yeah yeah there's a nice little uh, children's practice. I use, I learned it from a children's mindfulness practice, but I use it myself. And it's when your mind is really distracted and you're going to, uh, or there's a lot of emotion, if you just get your hand and then with your finger from the other hand, as you breathe in, you go up. And as you breathe out, go down, breathe in, go down. And then that's just five breaths with something to occupy your mind. Yeah, it's, uh, you can do as a simple practice. So Stephen is outlining the, the with his finger, he's outlining the, his hand, his fingers. He's going up and down his fingers. And that's a, another mindful practice that you're stopping and you're doing something and you're, you're kind of distracting your mind from all the distractions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And from the emotion as well. It's just giving you, it's yeah. helping you be present. So yeah, going up the thumb of the finger on the in-breath, going down the other side on the out-breath. I love that. I've never heard that one before. Really clever. Thank you. Yeah. And you have two boys, and um, are they well versed in this? And is it? A, are there particular challenges with kids teaching them this mindfulness technique? Yeah, I think uh, definitely. I mean, my boys are twelve, almost thirteen, and uh, fifteen, so two boys. Um, you know, I've been practicing all their life, so they know I do it a lot, and Haley does it a lot, and my wife. Um, uh, and uh, my younger son, he actually will sit because he, he, he kind of have seen me do it. So you'll see him sit and he'll just take a few breaths. The older son, very, very much not at all, but we are so, and we never kind of force it. Yeah, they they know what mindfulness is. They know the practices, but it's, uh, we kind of 
Um, don't force it. Same with veganism. We don't force it. We want them to be their choice. Um, so, uh, so it's been mixed with our boys for sure. Um, and also, I think as they're getting a bit older now, it's well, that's what the parents do. So, uh, you know, bit of revolt against what the parents do. So, so <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So we just, you know, we just kind of model and offer. And if they want to do it, great. If they don't, they don't. Yeah, but it comes through in lots of things as well, though. Just, you know, for me, because it's part of our lifestyle, you know, just having a family breakfast, you know, uh, not having technology anywhere near uh, the, the table, you know, um, being present for the meal, having a family dinner, you know, um, making sure there's uh, like a quiet time and family time at night before you go to bed, you know, the, getting out and getting healthy, having a shower, just being mindful in the shower. So there's lots of things that we've kind of implemented through the day, which I think they benefit from, but um, then it's uh, without forcing. And tell us how the mindfulness relates to food, because you, you really spoke to some really fascinating tips uh, when you spoke at the potluck last week. Can you uh, tell us more about that as well? Yeah. So, um well, we talked about before about the difference between meditation and mindfulness. And, and the, if you think about the practice part of it, you can use, um, food as a, as a practice. So if you, if you're not one to sit down and be still and, uh, and cross your legs and, and breathe, then you can use a meal as a mind or even just, um, the process of eating a, a tangerine is very typical yet. Yeah? You know, and the smelling it, you know, peeling it slowly, noticing how it feels, and then just eating it slice by slice, the segment by segment of the tangerine. Um, so, so you can make a practice out of um, food. Um, and what you'll notice there is that, which we did in the, the raisin exercise when we met um, last week, the uh, you just realize how much we're missing of the process of food, with, of food and eating. Uh, and how much like simple pleasure there is in just really even like the raisin, eating one raisin, having one nut, you know, eating a tangerine. So you become a lot more aware then as you go into apply that in daily life. It's just um just really being able to, you know, notice when you're are you wolfing down your food and you're typing emails, you know, and uh are you thinking about someone else writing a list? You know, just just noting that and say, wow, I'm missing this process of eating here. Yeah. And it's also not very good for your digestion. Yeah? So uh, the more you can uh, just be present and use that um, just awareness of the chewing, the taste, the sensations, you know, the feeling of uh, becoming satisfied with the food. Uh, it's just, um, again, it's a moment to moment practice that we can bring more enjoyment to uh, eating. That was really helpful for me, the demonstration you did at the potluck, because I tend to eat way too fast. I, mm. I am busy all the time and I'm going from one thing to the next. And mm. I just tend to eat super fast. And I've been really trying to do some of the things you said. And it really is nice. It's helpful. And I know it's much more healthy mm. to eat that way and not eat so fast. Yeah, exactly. Well, I know that some of that is conditioning about, you know, kids who that grew up with a lot of kids in their family, siblings, um, sometimes they had a fear of not eating. And so as adults, they, I have a friend who really eats fast, be, partly due to that. And his wife spends two or three or four hours preparing these amazing vegan meals every, mm. you know, almost every night, especially when he was working before he retired. And he would eat it like, in, you know, five to 10 minutes, maybe max. 
And, mm-hmm. and first of all, the appreciation wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And then his digestive system, you know, I, I, can, I can imagine that that could potentially wreak havoc. havoc. So do you have a, a way, a mindful way of, of encouraging someone, you know, especially in a couple, you know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a tricky thing. So, you know, it's, uh, do you have any recommendations about how to approach that with someone Mm, yeah, there's so, so many ways you can kind of uh, work on that. I and mean, two that come to mind, probably I can talk to uh, very briefly is the, uh, the just making it a making it a ritual, the meal a ritual. First of all, that you know the it's it's and and practicing um, the gratitude element that while we get an opportunity now to have a healthy meal and sit together, you know, and then uh, incorporating that some really simple practices like. Um, you know, uh, which may seem odd and clunky at the start, but they can help kind of decouple that old habit, you know, the old habit of eating super fast, is, you know, really um, using your utensils, using your fork, to, and just that noting that action of how you're cutting the, the food, how you're placing it on the fork or the spoon, how you're placing it in your mouth, and then putting the, the fork or the spoon down while you chew. Thank you for listening to KPOV's Critical Conversations podcast. To hear weekly interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations and follow KPOV High Desert Community Radio on Facebook, YouTube, and your favorite podcast app.